With Father's Day right around the corner, what do you give to the man who has everything? Easy. You give him an experience he'll never forget. You give him Omaha Steaks because a world-class dad deserves a world-class steak. The Father's Day experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to put a smile on the big guy's face this summer with hand-selected gift packages starting at just $89. Just go to omahasteaks.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout for an additional discount when you shop gourmet gift packages for Father's Day. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. Endless flavor, endless variety, and endless value. Truly, they have perfected more than just steak. Your dad is guaranteed to love every bite. Go to omahasteaks.com, use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get an exclusive savings. Shop for unforgettable gifts that are guaranteed to make dad's day. Because if there's one thing that Omaha Steaks knows, it's the dads want steak. That's omahasteaks.com, promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to save on exclusive packages starting at just $89. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Napa know-how. The Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to the Friday Fantasy Football Podcast. This is Joe Bartle. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports. And joined alongside me is fantasy expert extraordinaire. And now he's just doubling as a football extraordinaire. I don't, I don't even know how he can do so many of these things. <laughs> AJ Scholes. You can follow him at AJ Scholes 24. Am I saying that right? I have to be, right? Yep, that is correct. Oh my yeah. gosh. Phew. I was a little worried that I would just stumble completely over your last name. But don't don't worry. I, when I've done these podcasts before, everybody's last name just ends up being a, a garbled mess at some point. No, it, uh, you hit it on the head there. It's, uh, it's rare. People like to throw a U in there, a T in there, something like that. But nope, just an O. Have you ever thought about just changing your last name entirely so people of uh, you know, American descent can be able to say your name? 
Nope. Got to <laughs> stick with the German heritage there, man. Can't, uh, can't give up on that. Big part of my, uh, big part of my family. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Well, we got a lot on, on deck for today. Uh, we're going to go over Thursday night game that actually was pretty entertaining if you like fantasy football and i hope you do because you're listening to this um we have injuries galore every week it feels like but definitely with the bye weeks happening this is a pretty important deal and then we'll go over our drafting lineup so um i guess if you don't have anything else that you want to talk about i do joe i do i'm glad you brought it up <laughs> you know dvr and i made a little suggestion for you the other day get on your fiance's good side We've got a great diner here in Madison uh, to get some uh, some delicious pie at. Probably the best place in town. We told you to go, bring some some of that home for the misses. You know, make that good impression. And it sounds like you didn't listen to us. No, I that now you're. I feel like you're going to get me in trouble already. Thank God the missus doesn't listen to the podcast anyhow. <laughs> so I, it's not a big deal. But we had discussed this earlier where I, I really did. I mean, it's a great place. Uh, you said the Hubbard Diner, correct? Hubbard Avenue Diner here in town. Yep. Yeah, and they have fantastic pie and i like uh, an able-bodied american love pie so i'm all for that i just never had time yet to get there and i'm excited to this the the pie is so good you gotta make time for it (laughs) i feel like i shouldn't be on the uh, being attacked for not getting pie isn't that a good thing that i'm not going and getting pie in in this instance it's not joe i'm sorry you you let dvr and i down okay i'll make a point of it next week i promise you i mean we're going to talk about this a little bit more but any time that I don't have to make food is a, is a really good thing for me. So I'm fine going to pie. I just never had time to yet. <laughs> All right. Well, besides our pie talk, I guess we can transition right into the NFL Thursday night game where we saw the Falcons beat the Buccaneers 43-28. There was a lot of garbage points that happened in the end, a lot of yardage that happened in the end, and, well, frankly, a lot of interesting information that happened in the end, starting first with the fact that Jameis Winston appears to have injured his shoulder. Um, there was a, a scramble play in the fourth quarter. They're going for a two-point conversion, which, frankly, I, I don't even know if they needed to at that point because they're down so much. I get I get trying and trying to win the game, um, but he just took an absolute shot, Jameis Winston did, and got up groggy, obviously, and didn't come back into the game. We saw Mike Glennon go ahead and finish out the rest of the fourth quarter. Is that a concern for you if you are a Jameis Winston owner that now we're worried about his shoulder being hurt? And... Did you like the play in the first place? Yeah, I mean, if I'm an owner of, of Jameis Winston, I, I would be a little concerned. It didn't seem like he was going to be too, you know, he, he, I think he said he felt okay, should hopefully be back. He's got the extra time with the injury, to, you know, with the Thursday night game. He's got a little extra time to recover. But I, I don't like the decision at all. I think it's an unbelievably poor decision. Um, I'm I'm not a guy to suggest that they should have just packed it up and called it a night just because they were down so much. But he has to understand the, the game situation. You're trailing in a game. It's relatively meaningless at this point. He needs to slide or get out of bounds there, in my opinion. Well, I, I understand trying to win. And then I, I also understand athletes trying to compete, too. That's, that's what the situation was. He, I don't think that was a designed rollout to the right and then just smashed by a linebacker. Obviously, that wasn't the plan. But Jameis is trying to win, trying to make a play happen for his team, keep them somewhat in the game. I mean, if you looked at the odd percentage at that point, like what, what the odds were of them winning, I, I doubt it was above 5% at that, at that point in the game. But still, I admire that about him that he was trying to win. That being said... I, I agree with you that I just don't think that was a smart football play for the longevity of his career for the Buccaneers in that sense, too. I mean, they are going to live and die by what Jameis Winston does. I know that some people are Mike Glennon fans. I can tell you I am not one of them. I don't think Mike Glennon is, is really that big of a, a quarterback. He might be a starter someday if they, they trade him. But 
your future is Winston, and I don't think you want him to be making those kind of runs, especially when the game is out of reach like that. No, I absolutely agree there. And, you know, you do have to win, and I'm right there with you on that. But long term, this team needs to win the division, and they're not going to do that with Mike Glennon, in my opinion. Um, And that's why, you know, yes, he's trying to win this game, but he's got to think down the road the rest of the season. If he misses their next game, or even if he were to have gotten even more hurt and miss a couple of games, then their season's over. I mean, they're already behind in the division, so they're going to have to put some wins together if they're going to win the division. They're not going to get a wild card here. So to kind of put it out there and when you're that far behind in what has at that point become kind of a meaningless game and to risk the rest of your season, I just think is a bad call. Well, yeah. And I, I agree. I don't think, I think what you're saying, they're not going to get the division. I think that's all but solidified now with this loss of the Falcons. They are still in play for the wild card. And that uh, brings more even to the point that what you were saying that you got to be smart with this as the season progresses and that we, we can't have the star quarterback of the team that, you know, you're still trying to make into that spot. You can't have in that kind of position. Um, that that was one big injury, but the other one, at least for my fantasy team, was Mike Evans going out uh, a little bit towards the end of the, the fourth quarter. He made a spectacular catch. Now, I, I was not I was one of the few people not watching when Odell made what amounts to be the catch of the lifetime. Um, I was watching when Mike Evans made this catch, and while I thought it was impressive, people are comparing it to Odell's, and I, I don't even think that's possible just because of the what happened with Odell. He scored the touchdown, reached like I think he did 360 with his arm to be able to catch the ball. Mike Evans was able to grab it, just palm the ball like it was a basketball and come down with it. But then he got smacked on the play. And uh, now we have him in concussion protocol. Yeah, I I think Odell's, I like that catch better for me as well. Um, You know, but I'm not too concerned about Evans. Yeah, he's got the concussion protocol. And those are notoriously hard injuries to set a timeline for. But as I mentioned with Jameis, you have the, the extra few days to, you know, get back on track. He can spend the weekend, you know, sequestered in, in <laughs> the dark room in his house, sit in the closet or something. Um, not to make light of this situation, but he's got extra time to to get back. And I, I would be surprised if he's not ready to go next week. Well, you're a hockey guy. Those injuries happen all the time. You can just you know rub some dirt in it. It's over. And it's fine. Pour some water on it. That's that's <laughs> what they do on the bench. If you got a loose tooth, you just pull it out. Get back in the game. You're good to go. Before Mike Evans left with a concussion. He was putting up a tremendous game. In fact, it really ended up being a battle of star receivers throughout that. We had we saw Mike Evans go ahead and catch, uh, what was it, 11 catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns. And most of that was, you know, through three quarters. He didn't really pile on anything in the fourth quarter. And we saw Julio Jones almost go stride for stride, eight catches for 111 yards. And a red zone touchdown, first time that he's had that all year. I know I, I didn't get a chance to grab Julio Jones in many fantasy leagues, not because I didn't want to, but because he was just being drafted so high. But I know fantasy owners who did have him are probably really happy to see the red zone uh, target and reception. It was a great play. Do you feel like um, Evans is getting closer to the Julio Jones territory, Antonio Brown territory of best receiver in the NFL? I don't. I don't. I think he had an unbelievable game. Don't get me wrong. And if he had been there for four quarters, he might have gotten close to that 200 yards. Um, But I just don't think he's quite there at that same level of those other guys. He's definitely right there behind him. um, But I do think there's still a gap between Julio, Antonio Brown, and uh, Mike Evans. Who would you rank number three? So I think you can make some argument about Antonio and Julio as to who's top either in just NFL receiver rankings or fantasy football rankings, but I'm curious to hear 
who would you have number three, maybe number four wide receiver overall? Yeah, I think it comes down to to whether or not you're looking at PPR or not. Um, you know, I do think I do think I'd put you know Antonio Brown one. I'd put Ob OBJ at number two, and then Julio down at three, which I think is a little astounding. But I have a little more um, long term. Uh, faith in the quarterbacks throwing to Antonio Brown and Beckham than I do in Matt Ryan. He's having a great year, um, and he's had some good years in the past, but I think you know Roethlisberger and Manning are just a, a titch better, and so I think that gives the edge to those guys at wide receiver, especially in PPR leagues. I try not to be too animated when doing these podcasts because I feel like it distracts my, my podcast guest host, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that drew a little bit of an eye-popping from me when you said that you trust – the quarterbacks of uh, Odell Beckham and Antonio Brown more than you do Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is putting up fantastic numbers this year, as you pointed out, but he's been pretty consistent throughout his career being the number one overall pick. I, I, I have to say that that's a very bold statement, I think, for you to say that you trust Eli Manning more than Matt Ryan. Yeah, I mean, some of it has to do with success uh in the postseason i get that's not a huge factor for fantasy football players out there but um i i just think he has more a little bit more poise especially as he's gotten a little bit older he was i i would put matt ryan ahead if you compared their like first three four years in the league against each other but i think as he's gotten older i think manning's just kind of put it together a little bit more he's had that postseason success he doesn't have the ups and downs as much as a lot of other quarterbacks out there do i'm not saying he's lights out ahead of matt ryan but i do think he's just enough better than ryan that he gives his wide receivers a slight edge over for what it's worth i think um, it's definitely Antonio Brown and Julio Jones, and I would go Odell, and then some combination of uh, Mike Evans or Amari Cooper as my top five receivers. But let's go back to this quarterback question just that you have now presented me, and I'm going to keep my eyeballs in my head as we're continuing to talk about this. Just fantasy football-wise, you talked about the postseason success of Eli, and that came at the expense of my Packers. I understand that. but um, Our Packers on that one. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Our Packers. I like them more. I'll just say that now. Um, but talking about the fantasy football success, where would you have Matt Ryan rank You know, uh, as the year progresses here? After, after Thursday's game, so he threw 344 yards, four touchdowns. He fumbled once. It was kind of an embarrassing play, but... He had an outstanding game. Uh, most leagues, he put up over 30 points fantasy-wise. That's terrific. Where do you have him going as a fantasy QB? Like, where are you seeing your rankings moving forward? Uh, I would still have him Tier 2. Not quite Tier 1. I don't think he's quite up to the Aaron Rodgers uh, numbers or um, blanking on a couple other guys here. Um, but I definitely have him as Tier 2. You know, Not necessarily the top of the elite but i think this year he's had a a decent season well let's just let's give it some names okay so would you rather have matt ryan or andrew luck matt ryan matt ryan okay would you rather have matt ryan or drew Brees? Uh, i would go with drew Brees. that's a team that slings the ball a ton uh drew is always up there and you know top of the league for yards every year um so i would go drew Brees. how about matt ryan or cam newton Oh, boy, that's really a tough one. I, I think I would give the edge to Cam Newton due to the mobility. I know he's having a down year a little bit this year, but I, I think Cam Newton. To me, I, I think I know the answer here, but Matt Ryan to Tom Brady? Tom Brady, of okay, course. Okay, that's what I thought, too. So 
So we're we're getting consensus that um, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, at least from you, uh, our perspective, are probably the top two, top three quarterbacks uh, around there. But where Matt Ryan fits in with the longevity of this, I think that you know you said tier two. I think tier one is definitely a possibility. I was a downer on Matt Ryan. I thought that we always see him do really well in the first ha- first month, first half of the season, but then he tails off in the end. I just don't think that's the case, frankly, because I think the Falcons need him in order to survive. I think this is kind of like a, we talked about New Orleans, but I think this is kind of like a New Orleans sort of offense-defense situation where they have a lot of young guys on defense, the Falcons do, and they are going to need their offense to do well, and that runs through Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. I think that Matt Ryan is a top-five fantasy QB the rest of the way. I would go far as to say he might be top Three, depending on how you feel Ben Roethlisberger might be health-wise for the rest of the year. I, I think Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Matt Ryan. And Drew Brees is close. I agree. Um, I don't have any qualms with you saying Drew over Matt Ryan. Um, I think Andrew Luck is closer than you make it seem to. I think Andrew is right around there as well, given the AFC South division. Um, but I, I don't know how we can assume Matt Ryan won't do well, just based off of how bad that defense is. Yeah, there's just... You mentioned it before. He has these postseason drop-offs. The team does the same thing. I mean, they started 5-0, and I believe, last year um, and kind of fell apart. So I, I'm i not sold on Matt Ryan towards the back half of the season until I see it. So I believe he's got the talent. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, he's a slouch or, you know, he's a bad quarterback. But I want to see him perform throughout an entire 16-game season before I'm going to really put him in that elite level one uh, category. All right, fair enough. I will bring up this question, though, because I think it is very interesting. Where would you have Mohamed Sanu and Taylor Gabriel rank as you're moving forward in your fantasy football uh, rankings? Sanu crushed the Packers last week. I mean, he was more devastating than Julio Jones. And then, again, Thursday we saw him five catches for 74 yards, and there was at times where – he was so open, it just felt like he was Julio 2.0, and then he'd be able to run with people on his back for an extra five, six yards. And then somehow Taylor Gabriel, who was really kind of an afterthought, I think, of the Browns' offense for most of the time, they've really began to utilize him and his quickness and his speed. He had five catches for 52 yards and then two carries for 24 yards and a touchdown. Those are pretty solid fantasy numbers for both guys. Where would you have them ranked um, in your kind of wide receiver rankings? The PPR, standard league aside, just... Where do you have them moving forward? I'm intrigued by Gabriel's ability to run the ball. Um, And and it seems like, you know, offensive coordinator Kyle Shanahan is trying to find ways to get him the ball. And so I think that gives him, in my opinion, a slight edge over Sanu. Um, I, I like the fact that the team appears to be trying to get him involved. And so I think that bodes well for his ability moving forward. I would maybe throw him... Maybe top 25, um, might be a little bit of a stretch there, maybe looking more top 30. Definitely, I think, a solid uh, daily play. I think he's going to come in relatively inexpensive in, in daily contests, so might be worth taking a look at. Okay, that's fair enough. I guess I'm thinking more so if I want, if I was forced to choose one of the two to own the rest of the year, I would definitely lean towards Sanu. Not so much that Gabriel isn't um, an effective fantasy option, but more I think Sanu can be. If we start seeing Julio break down throughout the year, I mean, he's been on the injury report since it feels like last year, week 17. Um, I, I, Sanu has proven that he can be a, a de facto kind of um, fill-in number one option. And I think Matt Ryan trusts him, which is important because I don't think they had that earlier in the year. So if you're looking for a, a 
buy low. I guess it's not buy low anymore after two solid straight weeks. Sanu would be a guy I could start targeting in trades just before we get to the trade deadline. And if you're trying to set your lamp for success in the future, I think that's a guy you're looking at that could be a, you said top 25. I think that's a fair assessment. I think top 20 at weeks and that consistency is what you're looking for. And I think he'll bring that for you. I, I do agree that Sanu, I think, is going to give you um, a, a better a better floor. I don't think he's going to have quite as many That's ups and downs mm-hmm. as Taylor Gabriel might. Um, I think he's going to be a little more consistent week to week. So it kind of depends on what you have, both in your season-long uh, you know, competitions and your daily. Are you looking for consistency? Do you need somebody who's going to help you week to week? Or are you in a position where you need a guy who maybe you take a flyer on, whether he's your flex position uh, in, in either format, you know, if you need that kind of flyer, somebody who could maybe have the higher ceiling, I think is going to be Gabriel between the two for the rest of the season. But Sanu will definitely give you a little bit more consistency. The floor is such a great point that you're talking about. I was going to say a great thing to stand on. And then I didn't think that was a very good joke. And yet I still said, anyhow, <laughs> I think that's a great point that you're, that you're working with. Um, if we were to give it to DFS terms, I just don't know how that translates to season long but if i'm going to name him a dfs kind of guy i think sanu is your double up kind of player who you're just looking for some consistency from points that you know you're going to get 10 to 12 kind of thing and he could go for 20 and uh gabriel is a guy that you can look a little bit lower and is going to expect maybe you can get a, a home run kind of play out of him that's that's a really good point of with the floor i, I think sanu certainly has a higher floor than gabriel but gabriel might have a higher ceiling that's absolutely fair uh, before we get on to the injuries that have been going on throughout the week, really, and what could affect your fantasy lineups over the weekend, let's first have a, a spot from Fan Clash Trivia. If you love to play fantasy football and think you know more than the rest of the sports world about it, we have a website for you. Put that fantasy knowledge to the test at Fan Clash Trivia, the number one sports trivia site for cash and prizes. RotoWire has teamed up with FanClash.com to bring you NFL Week 9 and 10 trivia with cash on the line. Rotowire will be running free contests on Fan Clash against Rotowire experts on November 9th and November 15th. Again, it's a free contest for all Rotowire users with cash prizes on the line. Reserve your spot now and you'll compete with Rotowire's own Kevin Payne on November 9th to see who really knows the most NFL trivia from all Week 9 action. Cash prizes go to the top 100 scores and the top 5 also win free 6-month Rotowire subscriptions. Go to fanclash.com slash rotowire to sign up now. Okay, so... Injuries plenty. We were week nine. We got a lot of buys going on. I think six, six buys. Why don't they spread those out? Okay, different conversation for a different time. Um, a lot of injuries. Let's first start with Odell Beckham. He was limited at practice Wednesday and Thursday. He told reporters 85% positive or 85% that he's, he's going to play and that uh, he's feeling healthy. Is 85% enough to have in fantasy lineups this week? I think so. I think 85% of Odell is going to be better than 90% of the league, in my opinion. That's a good statement, yeah. I, I think that's absolutely fair. Um, we had talked before where he ranks in our, our wide receivers moving forward, and I think that's clearly one of those guys that you want to keep putting in your lamps at all times. Don't don't get too cute, as Matthew Barrett would say. Don't get too cute, don't get too cute with this. And uh, I think he's one of those people that you can just you can kind of plug and play. And even if he is not that healthy, I think he's still going to find production. Now, one guy I don't know if he's going to find production is healthy, Dwayne Allen. He's been questionable or listed as questionable throughout practice. He's practiced all three days, but it's been at a limited capacity. We know that uh, Andrew Luck likes to use Jack Doyle. We also know the Packers have a very vaunted run defense, but the pass defense isn't quite up to snub with their run defense. So where do you have Dwayne Allen? Do you think he's going to be able to play? And if he does play, is he going to be effective? 
I don't think so. I, I would sell on Dwayne Allen this week. And part of that is going to be, in my opinion, that run defense. I think they're going to need a tight end who can stay home a little bit, especially, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk the last week about how much blitzing Dom Capers does and doesn't do in the recent weeks. So if Dom Capers decides to send the house um, to try and rattle Andrew Luck, you're going to see those tight ends kind of have to stay at home a little bit in the pass game, as well as they definitely, I think, are going to have to in the run game. So I, I would expect kind of limited numbers from either tight end, uh, but especially, you know, with Allen's kind of questionable uh, status, you know, certainly you can check back to rotowire.com leading up into mm-hmm. Sunday's games to see where he's at. But I would hedge away from him a little bit. You know, I know the Colts would, Colts would love to have him in the in the lineup. He's unquestionably their best blocking tight end, I think. Um, but at the same point, I don't know if he'll be able to play. Is it worth risking his health for future weeks when you still have a very serious shot if you're the Colts at getting an AFC South crown? Or uh, do you try and risk it against the Packers knowing they're vulnerable, knowing they have, you know, upteenth guy in their secondary hurt and done for the year and think you could take advantage? I'm not sure. I do know, however, that T.Y. Hilton's probably going to go off against the Packers. He's practiced all week. He's expected to play. Um, Jeez, AJ, what do you think he's going to do numbers-wise against the Packers secondary? I'd be surprised if he doesn't hit 100. Um, You know, probably at least a touchdown. I just think, you know, that, that secondary is so beat up. They've struggled so much, um, and Andrew Luck still, you know, he's been kind of a, a malign figure of late, but he's still a, a quality quarterback, can still sling it with the best of them. So, yeah, T.Y. Hilton should probably be poised to have a big week. At this point, we kind of know what Andrew Luck is, right? I mean, we know he's going to get 300 yards passing. We know he's probably going to add about 50 yards rushing on because that offense line stinks, and we know he's going to turn the ball over at least twice, whether it be a fumble, two interceptions, I don't know what else he could really do turnover-wise, but he's going to get you those points. So where are those yards going to go to? I don't know if it's necessarily T.Y. Hilton. We saw Julio Jones, for the most part, um, be contained by the Packers last week in that 33-32 win by the Falcons, but then we saw Sanu go off. So maybe it's someone like Dante Moncrief, who is already a red zone target for Andrew Luck when they get to that point, that ends up having the big day. I'm not sure. I could even see someone like Philip Dorsett, who they drafted in the first round two years ago. I could see him being a guy that uh, just breaks free and gets a 70-yard bomb from Andrew Luck. I don't think Frank Gore does anything, so I think they're going to have to move the ball through the air, and I think they're going to be able to do it. Yeah, I agree. I I think they can do enough moving T.Y. Hilton around, line him up in the slot uh, where he potentially could end up paired up against some of our linebackers um, who haven't really impressed in uh, def- you know pass coverage. Um, I, I think that's a great point. Uh, you know, Moncrief could also have a big game, but I, I do still expect the bulk of the, the targets to go to T.Y. Hilton. I feel confident saying start any Colts receiver you have, uh, any of the top three receivers, and I think they're going to get you points. I, th- I think that's a, a fair assessment based off of what we've seen from the Packers secondary, what feels like the whole season. Absolutely. Great point. Uh, Shady McCoy, he's, I, I would assume, questionable at this point. He's practiced two straight days, all but, uh, all but limited. Um, they play Monday night, so it's kind of a risky decision if you're either going with Mike Gillisley or Shady McCoy. What do you think is going to happen with this running back situation come Monday? Man, I really don't know. I I like the fact that he gets the extra day, um, but this is a a situation I've avoided the entire season just because there has been so much uncertainty in the running back position in Buffalo, and I think it's worth avoiding again um, just because, you know, yes, McCoy has the talent, has the ability, but that injury concern just worries me way too much to really uh, take a flyer on it. 
McCoy, we knew about coming into the year that he's he has injury concerns. He has injury concerns every year, and that when he is healthy, he is one of the most explosive, talented running backs in the league. That's not a question. It's always when is he going to get hurt, and obviously fantasy owners are dealing with the wrath of that right now. Granted, I don't think they would be in a position uh, to be winning their leagues, which I'm assuming most people are, if they didn't have McCoy because he's had an outstanding year. I don't know if the Bills end up playing him just because we know his history has been so tough with those hamstring injuries, and that makes me really concerned. But if he does play, do you really want to be playing a LaShawn McCoy who is injured, who could be out again, you know, if he gets hurt, and is playing the Seahawks defense? I know the Seahawks haven't been that great this year. They haven't been as great as they have been before. But to me, that just seems like a very tough thing to be to be relying on fantasy-wise when well, I, then maybe you don't have better options. I mean, that's ultimately what this comes down to with week nine injuries and buys going on. Maybe that's your best option. Yeah, I mean, if it's if it's all you have, you know, definitely, you know, it's a play you have to make. I, I would take him over uh, Gillisley, you know, between those two, if that's where you're at and considering. But even if he is back, I kind of expect them to maybe limit his attempts. Um, so, you know, if he's not on the field for, for rushing attempts, they might put him in out of the backfield, but he hasn't really been a huge factor in the passing game this season either. So, I mean, especially if you're in a PPR league, I think he's a sit this week because um, I think there are still, even with the buys, even with all the injuries, I still think there's some better PPR options out there. So for me, he's a sit, um, but, you know, I there's certainly a, a good point to be made, and I think you did for why you might still want to consider it, but for me, he's a sit. I mean, we're going to find out more information today when the injury report comes out and we kind of figure out what's been happening. But as a Gillisley owner, that's what I am right now. I'm looking at this and saying, do I even want him to play Gillisley if if uh, Shady is playing? I, I don't know. I don't know if I'll put him in. I'm a, I'm kind of assuming that LaShawn is going to be this wishy-washy most weeks, especially if they try to try him out this week, that it could affect him long-term. But I don't know if I want to play Gillisley against the Seahawks defense. I just don't know if that's going to be the best move for fantasy owners at this point in the season, even with week nine and buys taking place. I don't know. Jarek McKinnon says he's expect he's expecting to play. He was limited at practice though Thursday and he didn't practice at all Wednesday. So what's going to actually happen? I, I don't really know what is going on with this situation. Do you? I don't either. This is another running back situation that I don't really want to touch with a 10 foot pole. There's just so much uncertainty. They're moving guys around. You know, is it, is it going to be McKinnon? Is is Hillman going to get carries? Is it going to be uh, Astia? Is he going to get some carries in there too? They're shuffling it around so much that, you know, heading into any season, running back out of Minnesota seems like a locked decision to make, but then AP goes down and now it's a, a you know, just a, a trio of, of backfield or at least a duo of backfield options. And I, I hedge away from this one as well. It just feels like one of those, you have to play one of these guys, whether it be McKinnon, whether it be Asiata. I don't think Hillman ends up being your option at running back. I think he still has a little bit more work to do as far as learning the playbook, especially with the new offensive coordinator in town. Bye-bye, Norv Turner. Turner, I'm sorry, geez. Um, I don't know if McKinnon plays, but I feel like with the limited amount of options available week nine and the bye weeks and injuries, we keep discussing it. I say it every player. I don't know if um, you can afford not to start either McKinnon or Asiata. I think they have a better matchup than, say, Gillisley or LaShawn McCoy does against the Seahawks. And I think at this point you're looking at, okay, 
you know, what's what's the best of the worst options I have? And I think Asiata or McKinnon, whoever ends up playing, whoever ends up getting the start, is the way to go. And I I would say you need to be following rotoware.com and check out the injury report as it's happening today and then Saturday and even leading up to Sunday because I don't think we're going to have an answer to this until right before game time. I agree, but, you know, again, another one I'd avoid. You mentioned the offensive coordinator situation. Shermer is not the guy that's inspiring confidence in me as far as that offense suddenly coming alive. You do have situations often where a coach gets fired, resigns, whatever it is, and the team kind of rallies around and comes together. But I'm not sure Pat Shermer's the answer there. I, I tend to agree. Well, we were saying this before when we saw the news happen yesterday. Anytime you can get a Browns assistant on your team coaching, you have to do it, right? I mean, that's the move. That does seem to be what a lot of the league wants to do. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that for the Packers. I, do, I don't want him on my team personally, but, you know, uh, I'm glad he's with Minnesota. All joking aside, Pat Shermer, I know, is a, a very valued and respected coach around the league, but you got to knock the Browns every time you can get. Sticking along the running back train, Carlos Hyde, he has a shoulder injury. He didn't play uh, last week. We have him limited at practice Thursday. It's looking like he might be a game-time decision. You're discussing running back situations that you're avoiding. This is one of them for me. I'm not touching any 49ers running back. I'm not touching anybody really from the 49ers offense. Uh, unless I have to start Vance McDonald in a few leagues, and yes, I have had to do that before, so I RIP my team. Um, I, I just don't know if this is really one of those situations that you want to mess with because who's going to be the running back if Carl Hyde, Hyde's not in? I don't know, and it's I mean, could we could we line up? Uh, you know, Dewan Harris is he going to get some minutes? Can we bring in the former Green Bay Packer to? to log some minutes there. I mean, anything's on the board with this team right now. And I'll be honest, I have, I avoided this offense in all of my drafts all season long. Um, I just didn't have any confidence in, in what Chip Kelly can bring as far as this team goes. I know the Browns are, are 0-8, but I really feel like the 49ers are the worst team in the NFL. The Browns have been competing in every week, it feels like. They, I checked the scoreboard in their head. And then they end up losing at the end. I don't know what you make of that. I think poor talent plays a part in it. But I think the 49ers really might be one of the worst teams in the NFL. And I don't know what you can do with that running back situation. I don't know. Once they get down by three touchdowns, can you really rely on Carlos Hyde anyway? Can you really rely on Dewan Harris? I think that's where you look at a guy like uh, Mike Davis, who will be getting some receiving options potentially out of there. There's four guys that could potentially get the ball. And that's not going to be a good situation for you in using in fantasy purposes. This is not. No, not at all. And I agree with what you're saying there about San Francisco being the the worst team potentially in the league. I think the Browns' problem is they don't have a quarterback. If they had any solid passer who could stay healthy from week to week, they probably would have won a game by now. But when you get that amount of shuffle in between, you know the the offense has to tweak and change a little bit every time a new guy comes in. What is he learning? I mean, are we going to see Joe Callahan suit up for the, the Browns at some point? It's entirely possible with, with how bad the injuries have hit him. So I, I think if they had a good, solid quarterback, this team would have won maybe three. I mean, they're not going to be top of the league, but maybe three, four games with a better quarterback option there. I, I have to agree with you, too. I mean, that there's very few positions that you can get away with in the NFL um, that consistency doesn't play a factor at all in it. I mean, maybe running back, look at the Falcons uh, last night. They lost Tevin Coleman, and they've been able to do just fine. The Buccaneers, on the other hand, you know, they've down to their 17th string running back, and they are not doing as well. Um, but quarterback is one of those that you just, no matter how bad of a team, if you don't have a quarterback, you're just going to be worse. That's, that's, that's the 
bottom line. Um, still sticking on the running back train, I promise. Just one more running back that we have to worry about. Devontae Booker, he had a shoulder injury, limited at practice Thursday. He's obviously filling in for another injured running back, C.J. Anderson, who quite possibly is done for the year with the meniscus injury. I loved Booker against the Chargers. He didn't disappoint with that touchdown. Um, but if he's hurt in any way, this could be a tough game when they're going against the Raiders. Yeah, that that Raiders team has really kind of turned it around this year. Um, they've been such a such a down team for the last several years, which is why they were able to get some quality draft picks on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, not to bring this up with every single one of these, like I feel like we're doing, but another running back situation I avoid unless I have to. I I do think out of the ones that we've highlighted, I think Booker's probably the most likely for me to take if I needed a running back. Um, if buys and injuries have kind of devastated it a little bit, he's probably the one I'm most likely to take a flyer on and see if he can play. Again, I'll be checking back that injury page leading right up to, to Sunday kickoff. But um, I, I again, if you can avoid it, I think I would. And here's where we disagree. I think we heard talk even before the year started that Devontae Booker was going to make a run at the starting running back job, and then we saw the Broncos pay C.J. Anderson way too much money uh, in the offseason, and that kind of ended that little talk about what could happen with it. Booker, in my mind, is the most talented Broncos running back out there. Whether C.J. Anderson's healthy or not, whether Hillman is, I mean, obviously he's not on the team anymore, but Booker is the best one in my mind, and when he's healthy, when he's able to play, I think you need to find him uh, find him a spot in your lineups, whether it be the flex spot, whether it be the running back spot. I'm not sure. He's obviously not that big of a PPR threat, but I don't think the Broncos have many options, and Trevor Simeon isn't really just throwing it downfield uh, Carson Palmer style last year. He's looking at check down options. They have plenty of receivers that can do that, but Booker's one of those guys that I'm playing if he's healthy, and I, I'm expecting him to be healthy this week, and I'm playing him as if he's healthy because I think the Raiders' defense can be had both through the air and through the ground. I know they import a lot of stars like Sean Smith and Alden Smith and whatever else Smith you want to assume they brought onto their <laughs> team, but uh, I, I think Booker's a play that you can use, especially if the Broncos do get ahead and Booker's healthy. I think they're going to be running the ball, and I think he's going to be quite effective. So I, I would stay tuned on his injury report, especially today, but I would be expecting to play him if you can. I, I I agree with you for next week. Uh, I don't I don't like him against Oakland. I, I think they have a, a stout enough uh, line there that they can kind of bottle him up, especially right after the injury. But give him another week, and he's going up against New Orleans. Who you know that game is going to be a shootout because that's what New Orleans does. They beat <laughs> you through the air with Drew Brees, and they don't care about defense in that city apparently. But that's the week that I would go to Booker, um, but I'm not sure about him against Oakland. Well, let's go to the other side of that matchup. Uh, the the Raiders we were just talking about him. Amari Cooper, he was limited in practice yesterday. He seems likely to go. Um, he's one of those guys I talked about as could be in that top five wide receiver in the NFL discussion, especially since we, we need to see the void of Kelvin Johnson filled at some point. I think that he's going to slot in there. Is he one of the best young up-and-coming receivers in the NFL? Absolutely. I've, I've taken him every year he's been in the league and in my family's season long, uh, season long, uh, league. And so I've been all in on Amari Cooper since he was a rookie. And I think you, you got to stick with him. I, it sounds like he'll be fine. Um, you know, 173 yards and a touchdown last week. I wouldn't expect quite those numbers against Denver, but could definitely put up, you know, 75, 80, maybe probably will get a touchdown as well. I think. If you can get away with starting 
or if you can get away with sitting Cooper this week, I think you should. I mean, there's not many places that you've been able to draft Cooper that you where you draft him this year that you could actually sit him. But if you could, I think I would. I think the the Broncos defense is really, 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 really good. Um, and even if Aqib Talib doesn't play, I think Chris Harris on the other side is going to lock down Cooper. I'm not expecting anything like those numbers that you just said. I don't. I don't know if it's going to work. I don't think that Broncos defense is going to let Cooper get off and put up fantastic numbers at all. Well, we might have to bet on some of that. Uh, some of that pie, maybe. I'm uh, fine with that. Let's lo- do that right now. Loser has to buy pie for the winner. Because um, yeah, I think I think Cooper can hit that 75 mark and a touchdown. All right. So you're saying you think Amari Cooper will get 75 yards receiving. And one touchdown this week against the Broncos. Yep, with pie on the line. All right, so if he doesn't get both of those, I get pie? Or if he doesn't get one of those? I'll go if he doesn't get one of those. If he doesn't hit both of those marks, I will buy a pie. Okay, all right. I will definitely do that deal. I don't think uh, Amari Cooper really is going to have a shot against the Broncos defense, and I'll be able to taste that yummy pie that I've so, heard so much about, and it'll be great. This is this works out perfectly for me. <laughs> all right, well, let's move over to the uh, the Packers receiving core. I mean, we we talked about their secondary being hurt. Um, this also looks like the walking wounded area. Randall Cobb, he looks to be a game-time decision with his hamstring injury. And Ty Montgomery, he was list- limited at practice Wednesday and Thursday with what is being deemed an illness. Uh, I, I don't know if I even trust that report necessarily. There's been a lot more fishy things going on, it sounds like, with that. They potentially both could be out just like we saw last week. What do you feel about their status moving forward? I, I'm not too worried about Randall. I mean, you have to check back. I mean, that's that's the name of the game here. But I think if I have him in my lineup, if I'm not going to be able to check it you know, Sunday morning, I think I put Randall Cobb in. Uh, I just think he's too much of a competitor and I think he's gotten enough practice. You know, the Packers aren't a team where they want guys to be full participants every single game, every single practice, every single week. You saw Aaron Rodgers barely get used in the preseason, although I don't think that worked out for anybody. Um, but I, I expect Randall to be in. If I if I wasn't able to check back, I would definitely put him in. I'm a little more hesitant on Ty Montgomery. I actually mentioned this in our Rotowire uh, hockey podcast uh, this week that I got stuck with Montgomery in my lineup last week because of the London game uh, locking me in early. So I'm a little more hesitant on him, but I do think he's got, if he's going to be in, he's got such upside. It sounds like they're going to put him in as the number one running back if he's healthy enough and ready to go. I think if they're both healthy, you play both of them. The Colts defense can be had both through the air and through the ground. Um, And I don't know if Ty Montgomery ends up getting that many carries, especially with whatever illness he's going through. But I definitely think he gets targeted out of the backfield. Let's be completely frank. We're both Packer fans. We know they have no running game. Their running game is short passes to Randall Cobb, Ty Montgomery, Geronimo Allison, whoever else you can find that can catch a five-yard out. That's what we're working with as the Packer offense right now. And I think in a PPR format, both Randall and Ty Montgomery, I'll be stunned if either one of them doesn't get 20 points. Um, I would definitely say that they should be in line for those kind of statistics, especially in PPR. Because I don't know what else they're going to do to move the ball. I don't. I don't think they'll be able to run it really well. Um, I know James Starks has practiced, but he's not ready to go just yet. Uh, I don't know. I think that Randall Cobb and Ty, if they are available to play, should be in your fantasy lineups, and I think you should feel comfortable with the production you should be seeing from them. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit earlier. This is another kind of uh, ceiling floor situation. I think 
Um, Cobb's going to have the the higher floor just because he'll for sure get those targets. But with Ty Montgomery potentially running out of the backfield, I think that gives him a slightly higher ceiling. He can get those combo yards there. Um, so I, I think it's what you know, what is your risk assessment basically when you're putting together your daily lineups and what sort of competition are you in? Are you in, as Joe said earlier, are you in one of those 50-50s? If you're looking at just one of these guys, then Randall Cobb. If you're in a, you know, a, a big tournament, big cash game, I think Montgomery is the better option because he potentially has the better ceiling, again, if he plays. And that's going to be the biggest thing for you. Uh, and it's funny, I actually think Montgomery has the higher floor because we were expecting to get targets out of the backfield. And the fact that you can play in both at running back and receiver in most most standard leagues, the fact that he can bring that kind of versatility to your lineup makes his floor a little bit higher to me than Randall Cobb. I, I know Randall's going to get his numbers. I'm not saying that, but I just think Ty, they're going to have to look to him out of the backfield. And even if he ends up getting a catch for a yard, well, it's still 1.1 points in a PPR league. And frankly, that's where you're going to be starting him if you have him in PPR leagues. My concern there a little bit is drops potentially because Aaron... Rodgers tends to, if, you know, if a guy drops a couple, you know, he'll go back to him once or twice, but if that starts to pick up, it, he does tend to lean away from a guy a little bit. And I see Ty Montgomery potentially being more prone to that than Randall Cobb. And so I think just the security nature that Rodgers has with Cobb is why I give him that slightly higher floor. Fair enough. Fair enough. Moving on to the last injury that we want to discuss, Delaney Walker. He did not practice Friday, and now he's questionable to play against the Chargers after just showing up in the injury report Thursday. This is a concern for me because you're expecting Delaney Walker to be a top-five tight end, kind of a plug-and-play type of deal, and if he's unable to play, that really puts a kink into your lineups, especially with two plug-and-play type of dudes in Cameron Brait and, well, ended up being Austin Hooper last night, um, going into the getting out because of the Thursday night game. So what's going on with Delaney Walker? Yeah, I, I would walk away from this one, uh, no pun intended there. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the veteran, yeah, as you mentioned, didn't practice Friday, questionable for the game. And I think he just doesn't, in my opinion, doesn't offer quite enough upside to make it worth the risk there. Um, you know, Jacksonville is a team that I expected him to have a bigger game against. Didn't get in the end zone, just four catches. Yeah, 75 yards, but I was expecting a little bit more. San Diego doesn't is by no means a, a defensive powerhouse either. But I think, you know, I just hedge away from this, both because, you know, the concerns there, as well as looking at, you know, does, do, you know, do they look at other options as far as who gets the ball, passing it around, passing out of the backfield, especially with uh, the, the running backs there. So it's, it's a player that I would walk away from a little bit. I left big Ben Roethlisberger purposely out of our injury section because I knew we'd be discussing him in our next segment. Um, he's one of those guys that I think we're expecting him to play against Baltimore this week, even though he's had that injury just two weeks ago. They had the bye week. I guess he's rested up. Um, I, I don't think you're in a position as a fantasy owner that you would be able to not use him if you have him in your lineup. So would you use big Ben over someone like Dak Prescott if you had both on your roster? I think I do, and I think it's because – Big Ben is, he's Big Ben. I mean, that's that's why we call him that. He's surprisingly injury-prone and durable at the same time. That's he seems to always true. come back from injuries quicker than we expect, although he does seem to pick up a lot of injuries. But with the the weapons that they have around him, plus his ability to stay, you know, stay in the pocket, get the ball downfield, I think I use him in against almost any other quarterback you might list in the league if he's healthy, um, except, you know, maybe an Aaron Rodgers, a Tom Brady. 
Uh, but I put him right up there at the top. So, yeah, I take him over Dak Prescott, even though the Cowboys are facing the Browns. And I don't think it's a bad idea to maybe stack some Cowboys this week because the Browns are really struggling. You just ruined my game. I was going to ask you a couple other players that you thought Big Ben could play over, like Philip Rivers or Cam Newton. You're just like, nope, I'm going to play him over everyone. He's just that good. <laughs> he is. It's it's the fact of the matter. He is that good. You know, Philip Rivers is lacking a little bit of talent around him, not like what we've seen in the past there. Cam Newton's having a little bit of a down year. So there's some questions on offense there. And really the biggest question for Big Ben is whether or not he's healthy enough. And so if he's in the game, some of those other questions are kind of eliminated. And so I think he's your your go-to guy. For what it's worth, I think Big Ben, you play him over someone like Dak Prescott, especially because the Cowboys are facing the Browns. I think they get ahead. The Cowboys do, and I think they just run the ball. I don't know if they're going to be really throwing that often. I could see Dez getting a touchdown. I could see him even going over 100 yards. But I don't know about any more than that. So I think I'd play Big Ben over Dak. I think I'd play Big Ben over Phillip Rivers, too, for the exact reason that you just mentioned. Phillip does not have many options left to throw to, especially with uh, Tyrell Williams and Travis Benjamin and Hunter Henry all looking like they'll play, but they have definite definite dings. And I also would play Big Ben over Cam Newton. I think mainly because Cam Newton's facing the Rams. I just I think the Rams defense is pretty good and I don't know if Cam Newton has been as good this year. So I think Big Ben is the guy you go with for a lot of different players, uh or over a lot of different players I should say, just because of what he can do and what we know he's capable of. And the Baltimore defense just isn't that good. Agreed. No, I'm right there with you. I think Ben is a must play if he slots into a lineup. All right, uh, listeners of podcasts that I have done, I guess. I've done a few NFL ones to start the year. I've kind of filled in randomly. Listeners know that I like to do just random segments and create them on a whim, it feels like. I promise that's not the case. But uh, in this one, in this new segment, I'm going to be calling it Toaster Oven. I want to give a little bit of a backstory first before it uh, because I – I feel like a toaster oven is not really a great name for a new segment, and I'll be honest, I'm not good at naming them anyway. Um, we had discussed earlier in the office how I am horrible at just making food entirely. Uh, my culinary skills are that of, I would probably say, a second grader, and I guess my tastes are as well, too, because you'll see me eating either ham sandwiches in the office or some sort of chicken nugget variety. Um, it's honestly really depressing, folks. <laughs> I can't help it. It's just, I, I, I cannot make food at all. I'm just so uncomfortable in the kitchen as it is. That's, I, I feel, I kind of freak out a little bit. I mean, unless I'm doing dishes and even that I don't want to do, but it's more for lazy reasons than anything else. I don't like to be in the kitchen. Um, so I was making breakfast for myself today. I give myself a pat on the back. You can't see it, but I'm doing it right now. Um, and I was, I was thinking, okay, you know, I'm going to make some toast because that should be easy enough to make, right? We have a toaster oven. That's a little bit finicky. It doesn't always work. Um, and obviously put the toast in there and it got burned. So literally I can't make anything when it comes to the kitchen. And I think that led to this segment. So we're looking at players who could have big weeks, who should be able to do well, should be able to do well, toaster oven didn't, but could burn you, could burn your toast. Um, who are two players in your mind that kind of fit this new segment bill that will probably get junk next week? All right. So my, my first, uh, my first toaster oven pick or toaster oven play as you have it, is uh, Quincy Inunua. There's there's not problems on his end. I like Inunua as a player, as a wide receiver, but my question is him with having a solid QB. I think if he had a better QB, he'd be a top 10 play right now, um, especially with Decker sidelined. You know, he's going to be the number two option there, but you just never know which Fitzpatrick is going to show up. Is it going to be the 
six touchdown guy or the six interception guy. You could get either. Uh, and that's why you've seen Anunwa score as low as about 7.2 points some week and as high as 19.3 in others. You add in that the Dolphins are 10th in the league in pass yards allowed per game. And the chance of burnt toast is high on this one, but I do think he can be a solid player if the right Fitzpatrick shows up. Oh my God, I didn't even think about that. That could be kind of like, this is a five-star review thing. This is a three-burnt-star or burnt-toast <laughs> review thing. Oh, that's terrific. When I was putting this segment together, I, had, I did not think about that at all. You just added so much more to me on that. That's, uh, that's awesome. All right, I'll give you one of my burnt-toast guys. Uh, I think Theo Riddick really is a chance. You're expecting him to kind of be consistent, but he could do very well, and he also could burn you. So they're traveling to Minnesota this week, and I think that's going to scare off a lot of people as far as using. But Minnesota actually allows the ninth most receiving yards to running backs. He's getting all the touches as of late because Amir Abdul is out, and we don't know about if Dwayne Washington's actually good. And I think people are scared off that, you know, Minnesota defense is as vaunted as it is. Jeff Erickson, our own Rotoware Jeff Erickson, he has – Theo Riddick ranked outside the top 15. And in PPR leagues, I think he easily beats that. I think he's going to get close to, you know, eight receptions, 50 yards kind of deal. And 13 to 15 points, while not stunning, is going to be good for your fantasy lineups especially. But there's definitely propensity for him to burn you because he's playing the Minnesota defense. That's just as simple as that. Who's your second burnt toast guy? All right, so my, <laughs> my, second, uh, my second toaster play is going to be Julius Thomas. Uh, he he really has not been the same player since coming over from Denver. Only has three TDs this season, 224 yards. But I think he remains a talented option. And the Jaguars are notorious for putting up garbage time points late in the game. He's healthy this week. He's he's ready for Sunday's game. And I think he's got a lot of potential to have a, a good week. Whether or not he can put it all together is you know remains to be seen in Denver, or excuse me, in uh, Jacksonville. But he definitely has the talent to be a top-end guy, but he could burn you pretty bad. Yeah, he was definitely good in Denver. I think if he was in Denver, we'd have no problem uh, considering him, I don't know, what's, what's the opposite of burnt toast or bad oven toasters? Filet uh, mignon. Our, <laughs> see, that sounds like an exotic food that I just have never tasted because I like chicken nuggets. Uh, no, I, I think Julius Thomas is a perfect fit for that. And actually, when you put him down, I was like, okay, yeah, you, you did way better at this segment than I did. Because my second guy is Devontae Adams. And we had just talked a little bit earlier what we thought about Ty Montgomery and Randall Cobb. But according to ESPN, the Colts are actually the seventh best team when it comes to allowing fantasy points to wide receivers. So they don't allow that many. They allow lots of yards, lots of receptions. The problem is they don't allow many touchdowns, and actually they've only allowed five this year. That's the eighth best rate in the NFL. So we know the Packers can't run in the red zone, and I expect them to get in the red zone because the Colts' defense isn't that good, so they're going to have to throw. And I think they're going to throw it to either Devontae Adams or Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson, we know we can count on him. That's, that's kind of a given play each week. But I think Devontae Adams, you look at what the Colts do, and you're like, oh, okay, maybe they could stop him. I don't think that's the case. I think Devontae Adams uh, ends up being a really good play. Jeff Erickson has him ranked outside the top 20 for receivers, and I think he's easily top 10 play. I think he could get... Uh, Similar numbers to that eight catch, a hundred perform- yard performance, and then a touchdown kind of thing. I think Devontae Adams easily could be able to do that, and I'm expecting him to. To be quite honest, yeah. You mentioned a, a top ten play there. Another top ten play out there. If you need a website, is going to be Wix.com. Uh, why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. 
Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business, and it all starts with a stunning website. With hundreds of designer-made, customizable templates to choose from, the drag-and-drop editor, there's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy, too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. The result is stunning. That was a ter- terrific transition into that read. I mean, I, that was like your first read you said, right? That is. That's the first one I've done. That was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I think you have to start like a coaching lesson on how to transition <laughs> into reads because that was fantastic. And the place to go for DraftKings information, see how I did that, is right here because we have put together our very own DraftKings lineups for this week. Uh, I think the best way to go, just because we're running a little bit low on time, let's go ahead and run through our lineups individually. So I'll let you start first and kind of break down why you chose certain players, and then we'll, you know, call it a wrap. All right, sounds good. Well, for starters, and this shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody that's been that's stuck with us as far to the, the pair of <laughs> Packer homers here, I'm going to pay up for Aaron Rodgers this week. Indy's given up uh, 287.8 yards per game. Rodgers comes in at 7,800. It's pretty expensive, but I'm going to shell out for him. Um, at running back, I'm going to pay big here, too. I'm going to go with Bell at 7,700 and Gordon at 6,300. You know, Bell's got just one game under 20 fantasy points on DraftKings, and Gordon, uh, outside of that one week six blip, has been really consistent this season. And then at wide receiver, I'm going to go Michael Thomas at 5,500, Anuma, who I mentioned before, at 5,100. Then I'm going to go Beasley for 5300 and this is a guy I'm just going to throw out there that uh, I used to swipe Tyler Eifert from you in our Roto-Wire season long. I league. thought we were going to be able to make it through this whole thing without you talking about how you're able to steal Tyler Eifert from me. I, I had to do it. I picked up Beasley off the waiver wire in their bye week, never used him, and then traded him to Joe here for Tyler Eifert. So a nice steal for me, um, but I think Thomas... You know, as long as they have Drew Brees, that team's going to hurl the ball. I mentioned it before, so I think he's a great pick. I knew who I talked about. And then Beasley, yeah, his numbers might be down a little bit with Des Bryant back in, but they're playing a terrible Cleveland defense. Um, And then over at the tight end position, I'm going to go discounted here, um, as I kind of have to with some of my other high-priced options. But I'm going to go with Antonio Gates. A little bit of a blast from the past there, but I think he's still can put up some decent numbers. He's a solid discount option, in my opinion. Um, Flex, again, I'm going to be checking back constantly to make sure this doesn't burn me two weeks in a row, but I've got Montgomery in there at 5,800. He's got to play, obviously, for me to have any chance of success here. For So hopefully I'm not swapping him out last minute. And then finally, with defense, I'm going to go with the Cowboys, basically just betting against the Browns on this one. They're averaging just 19.8 points per game. Sure, Dallas isn't by any means a standout, you know, defense, but I can get discounted value against a really struggling team. I think you can, you can't go wrong with going against the Browns in this situation, especially when it comes to defense. I don't know if Josh McCown or Cody Kessler ends up playing. I thought we were reading a little bit earlier before we got on that Cody Kessler was going to be the starter. But either way, I think the defense that you could start against the, the Browns is the best way to go for most purposes. My lineup, I, I wish we could really defer on some things and just have a, a crazy big argument, but 
We don't really. Just looking at how I put it together on yours, it's pretty similar. I, I went a little bit lower at quarterback Andrew Luck, 6,700 compared to Aaron Rodgers' 7,800. But that's only because I think Andrew Luck is just going to do similar numbers to Rodgers. They're both going to be great. I just thought $1,000 less sounds really good to me. I know the Packers secondary is banged up. I know what they've been giving up the past couple of weeks. Andrew Luck, to me, seemed like a pretty easy play. Same goes for Zeke Elliott, who was the highest-priced running back. I don't care that he's the highest-priced running back. I think, uh, as we were saying earlier, the Cowboys are going to get ahead, and I think they're going to run the ball against the Browns. And who's going to run the ball but Zeke Elliott? Um, the fact that he can do so much, whether it be PPR, whether it be you know rushing for touchdowns too, it, it, he's a, a great option. And I think this is going to be in the chalkiest play of the day, but I don't really know if we have any other choice. Chark Kendrick West at 4,400, especially when, if and when Spencer Ware is ruled out. I think you're going to see West in a lot of different lineups just based off of how low a price he is, and I don't know how you can't play him because the Chiefs like to use their running backs, and they don't have any running backs right now. West is your only option. And I think he's going to do really well. So if he goes over 100 yards rushing and a touchdown, I would not be surprised at all. For my receivers and what ends up being my flex, we didn't really differ- differentiate too much from this. I did use the savings I got at quarterback and using Charkandrick West to pay up for Jarvis Landry at 7,100. I think that a, a PPR option, he gives me a good floor that I can rest on, whether it be 12 to 15 points. And he's due for a touchdown, it feels like. He gets plenty of red zone looks. He just hasn't been able to get in there. I think Jarvis Landry is easy play uh, if you're looking for some consistency. I discussed Devontae Adams before. He's at 5,900, and to me that seems like a no-brainer. Cole Beasley, who, yes, I did end up trading for. Tyler Eifert to AJ, and uh, it's, I needed a receiver really bad. Beasley did not do very well for me. That trade did not work out, but I am going to be right back on the bandwagon and putting him into my DFS lineup. And then Michael Thomas, too. I think he's been super consistent with the Saints, and as a flex option, that's exactly what I'm looking for. At tight end, Dennis Pitta, 3,800. He, over his career, hasn't done that well against the Steelers, but he gets so many targets from Joe Flacco. I just think he's due to find one in the red zone at some point, especially if the Steelers get ahead. They're going to have to be throwing a lot, and I think Dennis Pitt is the way to go. And then at defense, I have the Panthers. Same price as the Cowboys, but Panthers 3,400. They're against the Los Angeles Rams. Same thing you were saying with the uh, with the, the Browns. I'm sorry. I just don't think Case Keenum is very good, and I don't think the Rams' offense is that good, and I think you can have the Panthers do very good things for your DFS team. That's pretty simple. Yeah, I mean, great Great suggestion there. I, I like most of most of what you put out there for that that lineup. Um, you know, I I have a little bit more concern about Sharkandrick West just because I'm a little concerned about that team in general. Um, but otherwise, you know, I'm right there with you on that team. I'm, I think what I'm learning is you're afraid of everyone that's not named Demarco Murray. I mean, they they have to apparently just have a 25 carry 100 yard game every week for you to feel confident about using them. Yeah, I mean, I you look at the options I went with. I've got Bell and Gordon, who are basically you know workhorses there. Uh, maybe I'm a little old school on that, going with more of a, a workhorse running back than uh, dabbling into the 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 run running back by committee. Well, you might call it old school. It could be called the right school because I'm assuming your lamp's probably going to do better than mine. But you know what? We're both going to be in the money this week. I feel confident about that. Um, and. That about ends it for the Friday Fantasy Football Podcast. AJ, it was great to be able to do this with you. I know we're both kind of filling in on short notice for those baseball fans over there that are in Arizona right now, but uh, this was great, and I looked forward to doing this with you. Yeah, love being on there. Hopefully we can do it again sometime. Maybe I'll bring you over to the, the hockey podcast one of these days. We can have you fill in oh, for God. us over there. That would that would not be good news whatsoever. <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to eating some of that pie that you're going to buy me this week, um, but... That's about it for us. Um, 
Go ahead and check us out again on Twitter, JB Fantasy Sports, and I'll let AJ go ahead and plug his. Yeah, you can listen or uh, read everything I, I've got to say out there on Twitter at, at AJ Scholes 24 That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-24. I will hedge. It's probably a little hockey-heavy for some of our football listeners out there, but I do throw in the occasional football content as well. So happy to have you li- uh, check me out there. All right. Good luck, everyone. Fantasy football, let's do this. A Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. I was able to buy my first home using the VA home loan guarantee without having to put down a down payment. I was able to graduate from college using the post 9-11 GI Bill debt-free. I was able to enroll in VA healthcare and I know that VA is going to be there for me when I need it. My service was then and my benefits are now. Get what you earned. Visit choose.va.gov. Not all veterans are eligible for the type or amount of benefits mentioned here.